Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. As promised, here we go. This is the bonus episode. It will be short and sweet, and I hope you enjoy what you hear today. I'd love to see you in the WhatsApp discussion group, so link to join is in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy the show. I would like to wrap up this conversation and transition a little. I know you did surveys on so many and research on a lot of other topics. I am very passionate about the financial conundrum of the Orthodox community. I know we're not going to spend as much time on that, but if we can, if you have some takeaways or again, shocking developments or ideas and thoughts that came from your research, can you comment on that? What would they be? When we started in 2016, at that time, there was a lot of literature about people. The Orthodox was a very hot topic in the pop culture. You know, you had uh, all these memoirs, like unorthodox. That was my first study. And I did that because I felt that a lot of it was uh, anecdotes, people, memoirs. I really wanted to, we spoke to 885 people who left, or, who left orthodoxy, modern orthodox and yeshivish and Hasidish and Chabad Lubavitch, and really gave them a chance in their own words to explain explain the reasons why. Like all of our studies, our goal is just to really give a voice to people who have not yet been heard from. We did a survey of Bali to Shuva, which is kind of interesting. The one you referred to about, about the cost. So that actually was, I would say that was very well received. There was a song a few years ago by Country Yossi and the Stiebel Hoppers. People might be a little bit older, you might have heard of them. And this song, which was very popular, was about the guy whose goal was to make it to the cover of the Jewish press. And he was celebrating the fact that he'd made it to the cover of the Jewish press. And so actually my survey of the cost of orthodoxy did make it to page one of the Jewish press. So that was, that was very exciting because I, I don't want my research to be focused on any one particular segment of the community. When we did a survey sponsored by Hatzalah on COVID, we actually got 2,000 Hasidish responses including 500 from Satmar Hasidim, online surveys in English, and 1,000 from Yeshiva. So the goal really is to reach all the community. So the, the survey of the cost of living did really, we did ask people, what are you spending on this, on that, on day schools, on food, on charities, tzedakas, et cetera. We, we really got a better picture of what people were spending. But to me, the most interesting thing about, about that survey was not the numbers, but you asked about what, what I thought fascinating. At the very end of the survey, we didn't ask this question at the beginning of the survey because you want the people to go through it. What am I spending? I pay. What did I spend on the on the wedding? What did I spend on the bar mitzvah? What did I spend on the esrog and the shmuramatzes and four kids in yeshiva, etc. And then after people go through all of that, at the very end, we ask them, so is it worth it? Is it worth it? As an orthodox individual, would you say that it's worth it? And, and a, very, a very high majority said, you know what? It's worth it. The life I have is the life I want to have. It is challenging. It is difficult. And it's a struggle. And people gave advice, and people did give advice on ways to manage it. But to me, I would say the level, the strength of that response was a little bit surprising. The, the number of people who said, yes, it's worth it, was high. You know, maybe it was a little bit higher than I thought it would be, especially after taking people through this long conversation 
And now they're thinking about how, how terrible it is, but then they say, no, it's, it's what I want. So that to me was a really interesting finding from that survey. What are some pieces of advice that people had for managing the expense of financial lifestyle? They said, you ha- do your own thing. You don't need to keep up with the Rabinowitzes. I'm just picking that name out of a hat. You don't need to um, ask for help if you, if you need it. You know, don't, be a, don't be embarrassed to ask the school for scholarships. In fact, the, the level of scholarships is higher than I thought it was going to be. Very, a very high percentage of kids get scholarships. Don't be afraid to ask for scholarships. Ask for help. Daven, have faith. Don't try to be competitive. You don't need to lease a Range Rover. You could drive, you could live within your means. People did say, if you're living in a community where you feel a lot of communal pressure or, or, or it's just expensive, you might consider moving somewhere else. You might consider moving to a, a smaller community, even an out of town community where the cost of, where the cost of Jewish life is less expensive. We did, we did look at the uh, attitudes of people living in the metropolitan New York area versus people living in smaller communities and the latter they'd have it a little bit easier. So there is advice. The purpose of the research was really to understand what's going on, but also the purpose was to give some advice. And, you know, people can read through that study and, and they can come up with some things that they should be doing. They can definitely come up with some ideas. Did you bring up questions about gap years or the extra luxuries or weddings or yamamitovim? I know kosher food was a big part of it. That's an ongoing everyday expense, but like tuition right. and, and housing. Every one of those things was covered in the survey. Everyone, housing costs, tuition, we covered all those things, gap year. One of the things we need to realize is we asked about the cost of orthodoxy. So what is the cost of orthodoxy? Okay, are your shul dues a cost of orthodoxy? Okay, well, who do we compare it to? So let's compare this to Jews who are not orthodox. Well, half of them belong to shul, synagogues, temples, and you know what? Their dues might, in some cases, be more. Their memberships might be higher. Now, are they going to yeshiva? No. On the other hand, a year at Turo or YU at Stern might actually be less than a year at Dartmouth, Cornell, Brown, Harvard, Penn, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, life is expensive. Uh, but you have more children. We have more children. We do have more children. That is true. One of the conclusions of the survey was that that the difference in number of children was a major, is, is in fact a major factor. It isn't it? It's more a major, it's more a factor than the cost of kosher food, but you're feeding more mouths. So it is a, it is a, the cost of children is, is a factor. Is having more children a cost of orthodoxy? Um, well, Absolutely. yes. If you, can't, if you don't yes. have heterim for birth control Correct. and you're, yeah. Correct. Correct. It's a, yeah. So it is. So it, it gets complicated. We did try to ask in this survey, we did try to cover every single category of spending and how much are we, how much are Orthodox you spending and how much of it is above and beyond what we'd be spending if you weren't Orthodox. We looked at variation, looked at Hasidish versus Yeshivish, and we looked at modern Orthodox versus the others. We looked, we looked at the impact of number of children. So uh, could you tell us what's the most financial, the smartest financial Jewish community. The smartest financial like if Jewish you, community. If you got to decide which hat you're going to wear, which yarmulke you're putting on based off of the finances, which system works best? Well, I will say this. I will say this. When we ask people, bottom line, is it worth it? The community that most strongly said, yes, it is worth it, 
were the yeshivish community. More people in the yeshivish world seem to be dealing with it and said yes than modern orthodox, which is kind of interesting. No, I mean, you'd have to, we didn't ask them why. You'd, you'd really have to look at the data as to why. But I, I did find that interesting. Perhaps part of it is less of a competitiveness in that community. I don't, I don't know. Is there more competitiveness in the modern orthodox world? Well, you're competing with all the non-Jewish people who have a Saturday to work and they don't right. have Yamam Tovim. They're competing with everyone else. Right. Is it, is it more an attitude that the educational system is good enough? Okay. It's good. You know, so my kid is going to learn. He's from, he has a strong background in Yiddishkeit. He learns Gemara, etc. And you know what? He's, he goes to a college that's giving him a good enough background in accounting or whatever it is to make a decent living. And perhaps the Shemesh world is less really, really seeking academic excellence, if I can say that. They're seeking a, a blend of, of adequate academic education. All I'm saying is that the bottom line is they said it was worth it more. I, I'm only speculating as to why they said it. But the other question is uh, geographic. I mean, are there communities that seem to be doing a better job? And I think there are. I think if you're living in a community where it's really difficult, people every now and then come over to me and say, I'm not happy with my shul. And I told them, I said, listen, no matter where you are, no matter why, where you are in terms of your orthodoxy, your hashkafa, your orthodox Jewish worldview, no matter where you are, I can guarantee you that there is a shul somewhere that you would love. And I really think the same thing is true about communities. If you're not happy in your community, I think there's a community somewhere that's going to be a real good fit for you in terms of your religious life. And that could also be a really good fit for you in terms of making it a little bit less expensive in terms of the property taxes and the cost and the competitiveness. So yeah, I encourage people to be open-minded and to really think through what are the things that are really, really, really must-haves for them and focus on those things. Thank you so much, Mark. And I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about your new podcast, Orthonomics, where people can get more of you and more of the research and data so I've always wanted to start a podcast. I was going to start it V-O-K, Voice of the Kahila, but then I realized that not everybody knows what the word Kahila means. I called it orthonomics because, so I do surveys and I have a lot of data, but I really don't want to talk about just the data. The purpose of the podcast is really just to talk about issues that are important in the Orthodox community. I do try to bring into each issue, each episode, I do try to bring in some data, it might be numbers, but more often than not, it might be what people said. But really, I always have a guest, and we talk about it from the perspective of what people know and what they believe. I mean, I've had some interesting guests. I've had my friend, Rabbi Dov Zakheim, who was the CFO of the Pentagon. He and I grew up together in the same Hasidic Stiebel in Flatbush, the very first Hasidic Stiebel in Flatbush. I've had some knowledgeable people. I've had Rabbi Avram Gordimer, who's a Kashrus, uh very knowledgeable attorney and cautious person at the Orthodox Union. You know, I, I try to get a mix of people, modern Orthodox, yeshivish. I had my friend, Rabbi Eli Krimsky, I don't know if you know him, but he was a shul rabbi, he was a shul president, he was a shul rabbi, he's a musician, very, very smart people. I recently had Professor Sylvia Fishman. She and I talked about the single survey because she's the person who did, who read through the several thousand comments, came up with this report. So it's called Orthonomics, and wherever you get your podcast, you'll find it there. So that's awesome. The more the merrier. 
I have one thought before we close off. You said the yeshivish community said that it's most worth it for them when it comes to financial incentive, if you had to choose which community. Yeah, what, what they said was, yes, them overall, after everything we've talked about, after all the issues about cost, tell me now, is it worth it? Is being orthodox, however the wording is, I could pull it up, but is it worth it? And the, and the Hasidic, every group said yes. Every group said yes by a white majority. The yeshivish said yes the by a, uh, by the highest group, yeah. The concept of toxic positivity or gamzulatova, there is this belief that many of us are raised with, even when bad things happen or when good things happen, everything happens for a reason. Hashem has his plans. So that mindset might be coming through in those answers, whereas we don't know if we're actually getting their real feelings or is it the cultural mindset that they believe fully that it, it is worth it for them, even if it's so hard and so difficult and so stressful and they don't know any other way. And that's the way they're expected to live and be and believe. Yeah, that, that's true. In 2017, we asked people, do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that, uh, do you believe that the Hashem created the world? Do you believe that everything that happens is for the best? Do you believe that Hashem cares about you on a day-to-day basis and controls the events of your life? For some of those more deeper beliefs, like uh, everything that happens is for the best, and Hashem controls what's going on in my life on a day-to-day basis. There were differences. The, the numbers for the for the yeshivish world and the Hasidic were significantly higher than the modern Orthodox world. So you're right, the, the positivity. I know people, including my wife, who have the view that everything, literally everything that happens, she looks at everything positively. She's definitely a better person than I am. But she looks at everything positively. She doesn't overanalyze. And yeah, you're right. There are people who say, you know what? But the view that came through was, yeah, it is challenging, but I wouldn't really want any other life because they see the good things, because they see the good things. So uh, part of it could be their mindset. Part of it could be just the way that they view the world. This was such an enlightening and fun conversation. So thank you for providing us with such an interesting and different conversation. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening until the end. I will see you next week. Can't wait to see you in the chat. The link is in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out some of our other episodes. Go back, scroll back, look at the titles. Let me know what you think. I love your feedback. Thank you for all your referrals. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you probably will enjoy the other podcasts on jewishcoffeehouse.com. So check them out. Thank you for listening and see you next week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.